Excellent. We are here with so, uh, and, and the anti-Semitic cartoonist Ellie <laughs> Valley with his Nazi-style BDS-style terrorist <laughs> illustrations. Uh, we call him Mr. Tudram self-hating. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome. Uh, yeah, we're uh, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the Hasbara Hour. Uh, I am. I am your host, uh, Talud Bickman, uh, Colonel in the Child Arrest Division <laughs> of Arctigraf. Uh, children today in Palestine. <laughs> They have new type of rock that has transformers technology <laughs> to transform into a bigger rock. <laughs> they have been known to approach Merkava tanks, strongest tank in the world, and go to town with Hot Wheels tracks. <laughs> the S-400 is being pointed at the Fifth Temple, which we secretly built. We also built three and fourth, but we did not tell you until now. Jonathan Pollard, the other thing he stole was uh, blueprints from Home Depot on how to make a temple. Because we forgot. Okay, thank you for joining us. Gal Gadot, everybody. <laughs> Women can do anything. Yes. Oh, Is man. that Mr. Too Damn Thing about rap again? No, it's those shitty Nike t-shirts that are like, Mr. Too Damn Good. Oh. It's like yeah. more like the student athlete kind of yeah. thing. No. D- D1, blessed. Uh, uh, Ecclesiastes, Old Testament, invented people. <laughs> humble, stay humble. $3 billion a year in USAID. Uh, like I said, uh, we're joined by uh, self-hating Jew and anti-Semitic cartoonist, uh, Ellie Valley. Uh, happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having uh, me. Ellie, uh, I want to talk about uh, your, your book, Diaspora Boy, Comics on Crisis in America and Israel. Uh, a collection of your strips uh, about the sort of Israel issue in American politics uh, over the years. But before we get to that, I just want to bring this up because, you know, we're talking we're talking Jews on this show, baby. So before we get there, I just learned this this morning and it blew me away because I thought I knew every insane thing that uh, fundamentalist Jews do to like keep on Shabbat. I, my guess is you knew, know about this, but I had no fucking idea and this is coming from someone who grew up in the Upper West Side and then has lived in Crown Heights for quite a bit. Uh, it's a literal wire. Aruv? That is, yep. Sorry for uh, spoiling it. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Aruv. Yeah, it's, it's a literal wire that is strung around, basically, it rings all of Manhattan. And, there, and uh, this is an Atlas Obscura. That they profile a guy, Rabbi uh, Moshe Tauber. Who, is he single? <laughs> He comes to New York uh, twice a week and drives the 20-mile length of this wire to make sure there are no gaps in it come Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's another way to get around the rules. Uh, yeah, in explain order to, why. Like, but what is this wire? Oh, why is yeah. it there? So, I mean, the origins actually, not to be philosemitic on your program, <laughs> but the origins are actually kind of nice because the idea is a community is bound together. Um, I think originally it was like uh, what makes a home is a kitchen. And so... Um, a community is only a community if um, I don't I don't remember actually my mind's going blank in terms of that but um, a community needs to have some kind of bound um, uh, boundary I guess some border that that unites it in order for them to be able to do things that are considered um, prohibited on Shabbat which includes carrying your house keys and so if you want to be able to carry your house keys outside of your home there needs to be an eruv to imply the entire community is a single home so it's actually kind of nice from that perspective. Obviously, it goes it goes ridiculous. It gets ridiculous, and when they turn the entire island of Manhattan into, uh, you know, an Aruv uh, guarded uh, place, then it's absurd. <laughs> I'm just imagining. To be fair, like, though, Manhattan is a Jewish kitchen. <laughs> well, actually, if you read the Tanakh, uh, the holiest site in all Judaism is California Pizza Kitchen. <laughs> I'm just imagining some carefree guys, you know, cruising around in a convertible, having fun, laughing, and then just whoosh, just being decapitated, oh, that, like World War II style oh, that's by in the, the new, roof. That's in the new Tony Hawk Underground. You have to uh, grind around. All around time. Manhattan on <laughs> yeah. one single. <laughs> Grinding on the A-roof. Yeah, honestly, I don't think today it is um, a specific unique wire. I think it, they, they use like telephone wires, et cetera, to... Um, you know, to count that. So oh, no, sort that's of, just lazy. The, wait, they're sort of yeah. conscripting wires that are already there. Pretty sure. Con Edison, Con Edison, Time Warner. They're that's, all. Are they all in on this? The Con Ed technician, like 
Joey Pisciliano was not a rabbi. <laughs> he was not. He was not thinking of that when he put up the wire. Yeah, there's, I should have to be blessed or something. Yeah, he was thinking about new pasta shapes. <laughs> okay, so the uh, the fact that Con Edison, Time Warner, and basically all of New York State and city workers are in on this conspiracy—that's the first. <laughs> that's the first paranoid uh, Jewish conspiracy theory we'll be proffering on this hour. Let's see where it goes from here. But um, no, to, to get into it, I, I, I mentioned. Uh, Ellie, your, your book is out now, which is a collection of your comic strips. It's called Diaspora Boy. And I think the best play to start would be to... Can you explain to our listeners who are maybe not familiar, who is the character of Diaspora Boy? And more specifically, Israel Man and Diaspora Boy. Can you describe yeah, these characters? Sure. Um, it's actually a satire of Zionist ideology and the way we Jews uh, teach ourselves and teach our kids, and etc., from childbirth uh, to, to death, basically, that Israel is the highest um, sphere of uh, personhood, of you know spiritual aspiration, and uh, outside of Israel... Uh, before the state, before the state of Israel existed, and even people who live outside of Israel who are Jewish today are on, on a lower plane, and um, it, it was accompanied both uh, visually and uh, in terms of vernacular um, by the most horrid um, uh, caricatures of Jews based on you know imbibing anti-Semitic discourse from the previous thousand years, and so um, diaspora boy. You know, it's it, this comic has been criticized as uh, anti-Semitic caricature, but it's actually a caricature of Zionist ideology. Yeah, and like, okay, so you set up this dichotomy between the Israel man, who is like this, an actual like Aryan Superman, and yeah. Diaspora Boy, who is his grotesque little sidekick, who's f- physically feeble and looks like a monster. Basically. Yeah, and who relies on Israel man to save him in everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but and you write you write about this in the introduction. You you, you reference this this long history of uh, Zionist propaganda. And and, and, and mythology around Israel versus the Jewish diaspora. And, and you write here, uh, you say, I love illustrating what are essentially irresolvable debates. And imagery, particularly self-imagery, is at the heart of the Zionist project. And like like that idea that the sort of like the, the, the pro- this projected image that you're responding to and playing off of is I think where a lot of like the most kind of savage and biting humor in your comics exists in. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, and also, I guess the idea of self-hatred, because uh, the whole idea of self-hatred is uh, you are defining what myself is and you are saying what is authentic. And so for the past several decades, we've been told by uh, Zionists, by neoconservatives, etc., that our essential um, being is Zionist, uh, often orthodox as well, but Zionists primarily. And if we stray from that, if we um, criticize, you know, even the most extreme Israeli behavior, then we we aren't criticizing something like from far away. We're criticizing criticizing ourselves, and that's that's been sort of a racket that they've um, that they've cornered. And one of the, my goals here, and my goals in my comics, at least the ones around Israel, is to say it's a, first of all flip the script, if you will, um, to say no, it, we we are not inauthentic by believing in uh, you know. Uh, progressive values. Uh, that is actually real Judaism. It's the Judaism that, that I know. It's a Judaism for the past hundred years in America. And and I'm kind of sick of um, these uh, this tiny um, minority of Jews claiming that they embody authenticity and that we are all straying from that. Um, my grandmother recently turned uh, 90, 97. And we did this thing where we, you know you like go around and you like do an oral history of like the oldest member of your family. And someone brought up uh, Israel, and it turned out in '48, like her and her, her her husband, my grandfather, left their temple over Zionism because there they were kind of there was a split, and uh, the side my grandmother was on was like, well, if you're saying we're a separate race, and we need this ethno state, like isn't that's like kind of exactly what Hitler said? And I mean, yeah, in like a practical modern political context, that. I, I've always believed in that, but yeah, in a theological sense, that's the weirdest thing I think about modern Zionism is that it's so much closer to like evangelical Christianity than it is any Judaism. I mean, the oh yeah, the entire, we love them, right? That's <laughs> right. The entire Old Testament is just 
hapless, confused shitheads bumbling around. And the point of it is that you can't know God. You barely know yourself. Your life is a mystery. You have these few principles that you try to adhere by, which are more elucidated in Ecclesiastes than they are in, in the commandments. But just look at look any any statement from any PM or defense minister or anyone from Israel. It has the a very Prote- American Protestant certainty and and, and uh, righteousness that is very not Jewish. Well, interestingly, um, to bring back the Orthodox, uh, according to almost every study recently, uh, their voting patterns and values, values etc., are more similar to um, evangelical Christians than to the rest of Jews. Which yeah. is strange, though, because, I, I mean, I come from that background, and, like evangelical uh, Zionism is like basically mandatory, but they don't actually like Jews. Like, <laughs> like we like them theoretically. They don't really know any, but it's also, they might as well be talking about like the Hittites or Mesopotamians. Like it's a very abstract concept, but um, the, the, the number of people, yeah, there's a there's a great pan, there's a great comic in there. <laughs> Evangelical Zionist towards of Israel. So. Yeah, yeah, um, but it, it's um, like the actual idea of of a people is very arbitrary. It's very much a political project, and, and you know the the sort of Zionist, Jewish Zionist, and Evangelical Zionist relationship is based primarily on politics. It has nothing to do with, oh, a Judeo-Christian religion. It's completely irreligious. Well, the term Judeo-Christian it yeah. should set an alarm off in your head. It's a completely, it's completely arbitrary. Made up, yeah, like, yeah. You know, I mean, like, by the way, why is Christ man not speaking? That? <laughs> <laughs> well, the best, the best illustration of that was just a couple weeks ago when Trump said, folks, we're going back to our Judeo-Christian values. <laughs> we're saying Merry Christmas. <laughs> Like, well, oh, hold on a minute. My daughter is furious at me. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, uh, th- that's the funniest thing because even go back even like 90 years, that famous Judeo Christian union in America, <laughs> our tradition. Uh, get your filthy. Skipping through the fields holding yeah, him. Get your filthy carved dick out of our apartment building. That was, you know, it's, it, I mean, if there's, if there's anything an empire loves, it's, it's rapid revision <laughs> and uh, actually uh, Elliot in the introduction that you write which which is a, 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 ver- a very good piece that I think really like sets up all of the the strips you read there's some very funny parts about um, kind of like uh, the panic surrounding assimilation and religious families and the paranoia about Christmas in yeah. general and it's yeah. just like you know yeah. or Halloween too how, that's yeah. yeah and just you know uh, you know uh, what what kids are you hanging with what are their last names yeah. uh, your dad is like interrogating you like yeah. you said you know like the SS would be too on the nose but you say I'm gonna go with the Stasi for this right, one right, where right. he wanted to know the names of all your uh, the people you're hanging out in the cafeteria with and uh, we just mentioned like the ways in which like this sort of rhymes with evangelical Christianity there's also a really funny thing you mentioned where you sort of got the Jewish version of every sperm is sacred where you were taught at a young age every sperm in your body could make up for the Holocaust a million times <laughs> over. Oh, so you pressure. have, a, you have a lot of responsibility oh. with every with every rope. Do they, oh, know, oh, how, oh, do oh, they oh. know how sex works? <laughs> um, they can only go into one vagina at a time. Not me, dude. 100%, 100% of my sperm connects. I'm like the Chris Kyle of That's busting. That's why you're the new Jewish Superman. Yeah. <laughs> so talk about, yeah, you could count to six million on my fucking bed sheet in a second. <laughs> Um, uh, it's going to be another come episode. You, 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 sorry, <laughs> yeah. you, you mentioned earlier like that, that, that these people have sort of cornered a racket on Jewish self-image and, and this yeah. idea of self-hatred in America. And like, there's all these contradictions that I, that, that that your work takes on, and and I think makes and this is why people get so angry at it. And I think the main one is this: the, the contradiction between the Jewish community in America as it exists and the Jew- and the people who speak on behalf of the Jewish community in America. And, and you write in the intro, American Jews are a progressive population represented by reactionaries who publicly agonize after applauding the architects of a- apartheid over why so few Jews choose to involve themselves in communal life. And like, I think you're really rubbing people's faces, like, like a lot of like, like to a Jewish audience at least, like a lot of these comics appear in the foreword, like you're really like attacking that, that, contradiction right well they don't appear in the forward anymore yeah. partly because yeah. uh, it went a little too far well, i want in, to talk about that we'll going after that. foxman but i also want to say i mean just to bring it to the present day um so many of these uh you know 
uh, non-elected communal uh, representatives were normalizing a bigoted demagogue in Israel for the past 10 years. Mm -hmm. And now we're all astonished by what happened in America. Uh, Even the never Trumpers, you know, on the neoconservative side helped bring us to where we are by insisting that any kind of criticism of denigration of even the semblance of democratic values was self-hatred. And, 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 Aside from the Never Trumpers, you have others like Mort Klein, the head of the Zionist Organization of America, who is actually in bed with Nazis, you know, publicly embracing Bannon, even after, you know, everything comes out about Bannon and like that BuzzFeed article about, you know, um, cribbing shit from the audience. Also, it wasn't like hidden. Like, it's not like he was like really careful about it. Yeah, exactly. Well, then you had... you. (laughs) <laughs> then you had Netanyahu's son sharing anti-Semitic memes with the A. Wyatt man scheming merchant. Pepe yeah. Bibi. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I know. It's time to stop allowing them to define not only Jewish authenticity, but what is anti-Semitism, you know? Yeah. And uh, like another, another thing you bring up, you say you, you eventually got you went too hard at Abe Foxman. Abe Foxman is sort of a character that comes up again and again in your work. And you talk about his role in like actively fomenting denial of the Armenian genocide. Yeah. Could you talk about that for a second? Yeah. I mean, before I, earlier on uh, when Israel and Turkey uh, were getting along better, I guess uh, this is, I think this is from like uh, 2000, I don't know, seven or so. Um, the, uh, you know, Turkey's against any kind of recognition of, of the Armenian genocide, and Foxman was instrumental in um, campaigning against con- a congressional resolution here in America, uh, which acknowledged it. And uh, when the head of the um, Northeast ADL, uh, New England uh, ADL, uh, went against the ADL's party line, uh, he, he had him fired. And this was, it was a huge uproar. I, I need to get the actual date. It was sometime in, I believe, 2007. And um, it just expressed the... Uh, hypocrisy and moral vacuity of communal leaders yeah uh, yeah. when when a community is actually when the jewish community is actually uh engaging in genocide denial you've you've taken a wrong turn i just real quick i just want to read something you said we're like you say like you know why you said why don't we define our core jewish values we can pick a low bar and start simple contemporary judaism is defined by opposition to genocide and to genocide denial and the way these people have, like, you know, like I said, allowed them to perjure themselves, you know, on behalf of, for instance, Armenian genocide denial or everything else they do by cozying up to the most anti-Semitic parts of the American, you know, political uh, community are, yeah, I mean. I mean, it was interesting with Erdogan because Erdogan is sort of like the the exaggerated version of the personally anti-Semitic, but politically Zionist evangelical. He just, he had that bar just a little too far into anti-Semitism to, to keep like Erdogan personally is like very anti-Semitic, but he had a lot of value in that military relationship. And it was also like, it was a good ID politics thing for him to like, you know, he stormed out of that thing with, with the, uh, with the Isra- Israeli delegation at that fucking dumbass Davos talk. But of uh, I mean, now it matters less because after the GCC crisis, they're less aligned with the Saudi axis and the Saudis are more aligned with Israel. And right. yeah, yeah. But I mean, this this whole thing, it is very biblical. It is very Old Testament. You you ignore the nation that was founded on blood and soil nationalism and ignore how insane it started and just how continually insane it goes and you yeah you normalize Netanyahu and you normalize a Vigdor Lieberman and you normalize um Naftali Bennett and just all these people who make the Charlottesville guys look like a bunch of fucking pussies and your biblical consequence is that is that you get the this rising tide of anti-Semitism in America. It's the it's this it's the sort of same story as the Northern Kingdom falling, except just a lot more uh, uh, no no swords and sandals, just a lot of tiki torches and graffiti and 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 uh, um, they can kill more people with lanyards than the <laughs> but, Northern Kings could ever with swords. But I think the the point is like you know you normalize Netanyahu, you normalize all of these these crazy figures on the hard Israeli right on be supposedly on behalf of American Jews, and then guess what? Those same people normalize Donald Trump when he comes another another racial demagogue when he comes to power off the back of explicit anti-Semitism and the coddling of you know 
straight up neo-Nazi groups yeah, in America. As, as long as the Islamophobia exceeds the anti-Semitism at, at this point, at least they're fine with and, it. And as know? long as he'll, you know, I mean, I'm sure he's not he's not touching the the special relationship. Uh, yeah, well, I did a comic with Sheldon Adelson. Uh, uh, it's called The Art of the Deal with Sheldon Adelson uh, sh- uh, shaking Pepe the Frog's hand and say, <laughs> okay, uh, uh, we have a deal. You know, you exterminate the Jews here and we can exterminate the Palestinians there. <laughs> uh, that's what Brett Stevens got really pissed at that one. <laughs> well, okay, so I, I mentioned earlier that uh, Abe Foxman is a character that shows up again and again in, in your comics. Could you talk a little bit about, first of all, who is Abe Foxman for, for anyone who doesn't know? And then w- what led to you, uh, your, you getting on the outside? with the, the forward over these strips. Yeah, also, you uh, can smoke anytime you want. <laughs> thank you. Uh, well, A. Foxman is the president for life of ADL. I mean, that's not his He's the official... president of all Jews. Yeah, exactly. He's the American Jewish president. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he retired officially um, a couple years ago, but yeah, I don't really consider that a retirement um, because, you know, he... he uh, He's, he's like the king. He's, he's the king. Um, and also, he's a character in my comics, and you can never retire when you're in my comics. <laughs> um, but uh, so I did... I, well, he, there was some uh, Pew report that came out a few years ago saying that uh, American Jews, especially younger Jews, did not feel connected to ethnic cleansing, for instance. And he was asked for comment on that, and he's like, I don't represent, I lead. You know, these people... He was basically discarding, and, and his views represented quite a few American Jewish leaders, discarding the majority of American Jews who... Uh, you know, as I've said, are uh, much more critical of Israel's policy, et cetera, uh, than he is. And um, and I was like, you know, why not, first of all, um, depict someone who hates so many, so many Jews, you know, his own constituents, as an anti-Semite? And also, why don't I, you know, invert the usual um, uh, claims of authenticity and self-hatred onto someone like him, you know? And so I depicted him actually on Halloween as a, um, as a, you know, vicious anti-Semite. <laughs> Uh, a vicious anti-Semite who was attacking Jews because they were critical of Israel. But like, but, but, but like, like I said, you keep, you keep, like, we keep talking about like doing this inversion on these or throwing back at the, the Jewish right, like what what they say about people like you. You're throwing it back at them in a really funny way that really gets under their skin. And I think, like, for people like Foxman or like these kind of self-appointed leaders who are considerably to the right of the people they claim to speak for, I think they they justify it to themselves. Or even if you read the, the the writings of like, you know, the, the Jewish right, I think they justify it to themselves by saying that like, look, we're the real Jews. The people totally. who don't really care about Israel, they're assimilated. Right. Or like they don't really care about the Jew- Jewish faith or Jewish tradition. And I think uh, what you, what really comes across so well in your introduction is you talk about like, no, I like, I like, I'm talking about like the real, like a Jewish tradition that's that lasts a long time, much longer in this country than yours. And that's like, you know, one of, of, of you know satire of universalist post enlightenment values right. and what Secular. I also love Mad Magazine yeah. you just talk about how like you know when you discovered that it was like this whole other path of like uh, the Jewish humor and tradition in America that you said is the uh, greatest Jewish achievement since the Talmud yeah absolutely um, yeah and it, and it was by you know it was done by children of Im- immigrants here in New York you know Harvey Kurtzman Will Elder and many others uh, who were like throwing Yiddish in everywhere. And um, just like reflecting the cacophony of uh, cloistered um, ghetto shtetl uh, life. And um, at the time, though, they were like basically Jews were outsiders in America, you know, before like full acceptance. And so they were, you know, poking fun at sacred icons of American culture. Um, now they even attacked Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that <laughs> the got Jewish the, kids even yeah. got away with attacking Santa. They didn't Claus. get away with it though. The, oh, the issue was banned. banned. Yeah, yeah. And, and there, I think their secretary in New York was arrested or something uh, when the police came in. I forget the the details, but that was for the first issue of Panic, the Mad spinoff. Um, I love that they got mad about Santa Claus like he's a religious icon. He is. Like he's he in is. the Bible. It's our Judeo-Christian values. The three biggest religious icons in American evangelical faith are, it's George W. Bush, Santa Claus, and uh, the inventor of male bracelets. I'm <laughs> pretty sure Jesus is above the bracelets guy, but I'm not going to actually that's count the, trick. the votes. They've, Jesus is known for inventing the bracelet. (laughs) (laughs) Covered up his wounds. (laughs) So, uh, but about MAD, um, so now that Jews are like accepted in American society and, you know, uh, part of mainstream culture, uh, you can be an outsider within your own community, basically, you know, like uh, progressives or those who are on the left or who are criticizing Israel, um, uh, they're the ones who are being ostracized by, uh, you know, the unelected communal um, so-called representatives. And, so today, like to use that kind of satirical impulse, but to poke it inward, uh, was kind of cathartic. 
Oh, what I was gonna what I was gonna ask is uh, just back to the the Foxman thing. Yeah, yeah. What got you kicked off uh, out of the forward was depicting him as some kind of Halloween monster. Yeah, no, it wasn't the depiction. It was his, his objection to the depiction. His uh, not speaking to reporters afterwards. Oh, so and, he he said, "I'm not going to talk to the forward yeah. if, unless you fire yeah, this guy." Yeah. Well, he didn't say fire this guy. I don't, I, you just don't. Well, it's the same thing. Yeah, I, mean, I was never like um, you know on the masthead or anything, but just don't don't run his stuff anymore. But I don't think they wanted to have like a um, an official clean sudden break, and so I was able to get a smattering in over the course of the next year. But the the upshot was the same, and I was told basically, you you know we don't send in pitches basically i mean the, the forward staff i get along with all of them it was the person in charge and also the publisher who basically listened to people like foxman someone who puts ads in the paper etc who they didn't want to uh continue pissing off the forward's a wild project though and if you'd like to continue pissing off a foxman diaspora boy comics on crisis in his america and israel in stores now from or books forward forward and Haretz are like they both have the thing where it's like they have a lot of good articles and then some like interesting articles about israel or the american jewish identity then some articles that are like what if niles from frazier was a fucking jew or something yeah, uh, yeah they really try and chase the content <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally, good totally. for them good for them we're also <laughs> yeah. in the content we're business. all posters yeah. um no. Yeah, not, not just that, but even like, uh, you know, just getting a Reuters uh, article and just throwing Jewish on because they have some kind of like search thing where it's like yeah. any Jew, like James Toback, was he the recent one? <laughs> like Jewish James Toback. Can you come out of Stormfront? You really? Jewish you James think, Toback. You think they'd want to put that one down. I know, exactly. That's SEO. my favorite Donald Trump nickname. Jewish James Toback. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I... I I would love to see uh, Trump with that kind of uh, neck beard, whatever that thing is, that, and <laughs> the chin beard, yeah. chin strap. So yeah. Trump would look like fucking a penguin. cool with a top hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone needs to photoshop. Yeah, but the thing about Trump is, is that he, his entire life has been physically incapable of growing facial hair. Hundred percent convinced of that. Wow. I think he's got a hormone deficiency. It's part of the. That's part of the general theory that he's never fucked. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that theory. No, oh, no it's definitely that's our theory. Both, wow, like, that's, that's interesting. Well, Matt and I though have a superpower to tell who's never had sex. Yes, we and know. It's and it, we just know Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. We're Taylor Swift okay. truthers. Never fucked. Never okay. had sex. I can yeah. see that. And Trump either. And well, what, Trump. what about his kids who look as grotesque as him? Yeah. So and what? It it's all artificial insemination. It was done medically. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. No. They those are, are, that's, those are his, They're definitely his seed. Okay, look at okay. him. But he's yeah. not doing sex. No. no yeah. He has. Wow. I mean, they, they they draw it out of him with a silly straw when he's sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> that is sort of the worst thing about Donald Trump is that if he was born like forty years later, he could have just been this asexual hotel magnate that everyone loved who just was like a media gossip queen but yeah and he got into, he got into everyone hates. he had funny affectations like he took a balloon to work or something yeah, yeah. they'd be like oh this is adorable yeah but, you he wore know, yeah. six-piece suits yeah with spats <laughs> yeah he would have he would have dressed like ti in 2003 sure i know that okay is. deep cut there buddy yeah. it's not a deep whatever uh i want to talk about uh other things that have gotten you in trouble in terms of uh your satirical targets okay uh just recently in doing promo for the book you got <laughs> a little bit of uh a little bit of trouble for uh your sort of i would say chuck close like photorealistic <laughs> depiction of eli lake <laughs> it is yeah i mean i agree it's like also all the author photos of eli lake anti-semitic <laughs> yeah yeah so uh i mean like your your targets are Often people on like the the Jewish right in America, and you and you really get under their skin. Like particularly, uh, like you like I said, you throw back the the capo line at them, yeah. uh, and they do not like that at all. And one of the things that uh, I mean, you know, when the the your hilarious portrait of Eli came out, I mean, like the thing everyone they tried to go at you is like this is anti Semitic trash. Yeah. This is filth. I, you know, like it's I, amazing because you know I'm I'm making fun of them for their reflexive. <laughs> Uh, equation of everything that is not Likud with anti-Semitism. And then when I do that, they come after me for anti-Semitism. It's like they're taking the bait when if they have any self-awareness, they'd be like, all right, maybe we should just like sit this one out. <laughs> the, the best, <laughs> they don't. The, the best thing about that, though, is that like all Eli's other repulsive friends who are rising up with this drawing that looks exactly like him going right. that you've made our... It, You've depicted our friend as some type of grotesque character of a monster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, caricature. no one looks like this disgusting creature, and it just looks exactly like him. Yeah. Just his few uh, friends well, being like, "It's the only thing they have to do." It's like telling them to not think of an anti-Semitic elephant. It's impossible. <laughs> right. 
It's like Actually, they got though, Tourette's. all elephants are anti-Semitic. Well, they never People forget. People don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> they never forget. They never forget 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> I, the other thing I want to talk about is like, you know, if you're, if you're talking about like the people who have... <laughs> I drew Netanyahu riding an elephant in Congress, so that's why I just want to do topical visual humor. No one can understand in your podcast. There's someone for. There's something for everyone in this book. Truly, yeah. yeah. I, I, by the way, I love. I love that Amy Winehouse uh, oh, made it. In. Thank you. That was I my. Know I'm like a massive Amy fan, right, and I miss right. that hoe every day. So. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, because that one is kind of my earnest, uh, bittersweet one. So I thought someone like you would be like, oh, my God, it was it's so twee. Yeah, <laughs> so but you forget how much I love uh, gay pop music. So <laughs> they, they tried to make me go to birthright. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would be able to. I said, yes, 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 because it's a free vacation. <laughs> okay, so, so you didn't do birthright, but like. I wanted to do a comic like before Wonder Woman came back with a, with a, with a movie. I wanted to do Wonder Woman going on birthright. Right and just uh, becoming, you know, an, an extremist uh, at the Western Wall, but um, never got around to it. Basically, it's too at bad. least Donald Trump did birthright. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. yes. that was such a yeah. fun day. Thank you, thank you to all my friends. Savini uh, 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 gave me my first sexual experience. <laughs> really terrific, very fun to do. I'll never forget you. Let's keep in touch. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I asked about that because you know when we had. Uh, uh, Adam Friedland on our other only the only Jewish guest other than you we've ever had on the show uh, you know he talked about like how he sort of turned the corner in his conception of Zionism versus the story that was in his head growing up when he actually visited Israel and I'm wondering when did you begin to like make that turn in your head from your own upbringing between like the story that you had that you were told about Israel and its relation to you as a Jew living in America versus you know what you believe now Oh, that's great. I wish there was like a single epiphany, but there are many like little points. I mean, I can just tell you like at one point I was in uh, Jerusalem. uh, uh, If you're a wandering American Jew, they'll like rope you in to try and get you more religious. That's one of the many um, sort of uh, outreach efforts there are. Um, not necessarily Zionist, although it was Zionist too, but it was like Orthodox outreach. And I was sitting at um, some Hasidic man's uh, Shabbat dinner table and he was like uh, singing Aravim Klavim, the Arabs are dogs. Um, and and he was and also I, I wasn't my Hebrew wasn't so great but I uh, got translated that the only thing they understand is a stick, which is you know mean both to Arabs and to uh, dogs. I mean it's like dogs uh, you know they're not necessarily so um, so uh, the, yeah, you, you shouldn't beat dogs. What I'm trying to say <laughs> and, and that's, that's that one's kind of interesting because one of like the big Islam Islamophobic kadars is that Muslims are mean to dogs because mm-hmm. they're unclean. Right, 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 yeah. right. Um, and so, like, moments like that, but also, like, um, just realizing, um, you know, I spent some time in Europe and uh, meeting, like, Israeli emissaries who were there to, like, teach the locals, you know, post-communist in Central Europe about their true home, which is Israel. And whenever America came up, they'd be, you know, like, jokes would be like, uh, oh, you know, the, uh, the book of American culture is, like, uh, empty. Like, it's just stupid shit like that. Just trying to emphasize subtly and not so subtly that America is a wasteland, Europe is a wasteland, and Israel is the only home for Jews. You know, it's like it's like Jeffrey Goldberg uh, lead or the, the cover story in the Atlantic. Yeah, a few yeah. Years is it ago. time to leave? Yeah, Europe yeah. Or, you know, yeah. cherry pick uh, uh, interviews and quotes and anecdotes and saying, uh, uh, you know, post, uh, you know, some, you know, hard, you know, definitely horrible uh, events uh, that the that the Jews of Europe should move to a place which is, you know, more dangerous probably for Jews. Uh, and also that they shouldn't move to America, for instance, if they're going to go anywhere. But of course, they shouldn't go anywhere also, because their homes are there. And also, re- remember all that horrible stuff that happened to your parents and grandparents? What if you were doing it? <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned the, the story about, uh, you know, being in, in someone's house and having them sing Arabs or dogs to you. Uh, could you talk a little bit about uh, the, the one of the comics it, that appears in here called The uh, the Odd Couple? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, kind of autobiographical that, as well. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that was one I liked a lot. And that was one of the more controversial ones. Uh, yeah. Could you describe Could you describe that comic and then some of the reaction you got to it so this comic was uh yeah controversial um i guess um you know it, it was based on uh, basic ideas uh how uh orthodox outreach efforts especially in israel are able to prey on uh american or other diaspora jews ignorance and um pull them in based on this brainwashing bullshit and it's easier to do if it's hebrew so it is like the the rvm Klavim thing because uh this this uh comic was uh bilingual you know it just showed um an orthodox uh you know outreach type in israel speaking in hebrew and this guy uh brian greenstein 
um, defined as American Jew who doesn't speak Hebrew visiting Jerusalem for the first time, just going into this like romantic uh, reverie based on uh, this guy's putrid quotations and all the things he's saying came straight out of the mouths of ultra Orthodox Jews. So like he's just saying like, oh, this is great. Like I'm finally connecting with my Jewish roots and I'm I'm feeling that essence of Judaism, which is peace and love. And then like the shit the guys are saying is uh, the translation is reform rabbis are filthy, lying, Gentile criminals who brought the Holocaust <laughs> on the Jewish people. Again, a um, direct quote. Uh, the other one says, uh, a woman who wears a prayer shawl should be wrapped in the shawl and buried. <laughs> what? Wait a minute, why? why? Oh, because they're against women uh, having equal roles in Orthodox Judaism. So a prayer shawl, you know, is a toilet. And so basically use that as her burial shroud. Oh, okay. Yeah. That Ma- sounds cool. Kill, kill her, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah, that sounds really cool. We should destroy Muslim holy sites and kill their men, women, and children <laughs> and cattle. L'chaim. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, what, yeah. What so in the, the forward, we actually... Um, you know, especially because the editor in chief, this is the kind of comic that she'd be worried about. Um, we 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 cited everything with links. I probably should have put them in in the book as well. But um, yeah, we we cited every single thing that that was said, and still people were furious because it's like, uh, well, for a number of reasons. One of them don't air the dirty laundry, but the other one is, uh, oh, it's out of context. You know, the prayer shawl. You know, might have been. Uh, I was quoting a rap song. I'm not sure what the context. <laughs> For that would be to make it, yeah, slam poetry. I mean, right. it that that entire thing. I mean, there is that ethos in, in in Zionism of reconnecting with tradition, and it's it you know one of the billion parallels with like modern chintzy blood and soil nationalism. If you remember Trump's speech in Poland where he talks about the West's great traditions that we all love, and it's you like what traditions does Donald Trump know? Like what cultural traditions? And you think like. Oh, it's the Jean Claude Van Damme movie he likes, and like <laughs> being racist to Mexicans, and it's ju- it's the same sort of uh, it's revanchism, but a very chintzy kind of it because it's this is all like the thing about the thing about destroying all the Arab holy sites. These are all new things in the Jewish identity since the Irgun, since forty eight. Well, since, every yeah. nationalist project is a historical revisionist project. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do want to, I think we should just point out, this is you know, sort of a, a satire or, I guess, parody of Orthodox Jews, and not all of them are actually Zionists. Some of them are anti-Zionists. Yeah. However, it is true that, um, you know, many, many Zionists, uh, you know, buy uh, a lot of the um, Orthodox um, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and or- Orthodox, Orthodox is funny to me because it's like, a lot of it is very old, but most of it, I, I, I always remember there was this tweet I saw at the height of woke stuff in 2014 where this woman posts, uh, my grandmother just said some curses into an egg and buried it into her backyard. That's an indigenous tradition. And I thought, no, it's not. She just has dementia. That's not <laughs> anything. And Or like uh, when Mal was like, ah, oh, shit, we don't have enough money to build hospitals in the countryside. Okay, uh, your grandmother actually used to um, eat a bunch of roots and then she was fine. And they're like, I'm pretty sure that never happened. And he's like, no, 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 no. it's traditional Chinese yeah, medicine. And for like or a lot of the stuff for Orthodox, a lot of the stuff for hot seeds, it started in like the mid to late 1800s presumably from a village where there was a lot of dementia (laughs) because you can't really draw a through line between that and the Tanakh I mean any fundamentalist uh, religion is the same way like a lot of modern Salafism and Ketubism it's like very new stuff that a lot of times there isn't a real through line between that and the Quran and it's the same way with every religion but it is you know it as a snake handler, I have no idea what you're talking about. It. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah. it, it, it's interesting because that just makes them all the more preposterous that they claim that they're authentic. Right. Because they say, oh, you know, it's like Hasidim saying, this is the way, or I imagine them saying, this is the way we, they dressed in the in the old temple period, you know? Um, clearly, they wore top hats. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it yeah. was fucking hot in Big like, the first century. Hats. Yeah, it's yeah, fucking yeah, hot out. Anything like that. <laughs> it's fucking hot out. Oh, I got the Talmud. He's trying to chill. <laughs> Read some scripture. I mean, the, but this is, it, it, the fact, I mean, the, the funniness is of it isn't that it's the Jewish way is any any more ridiculous than the other stuff than Salafism or like fundamental Christianity or like the weird Hindu hotep stuff that Modi does. It's that it's the same thing. It's the same cockamini <laughs> yeah. revisionism and fake tradition a lot of the time, and it hits to the core of something that I think you get it a lot, which is. Ooh, 
growing like when I was growing growing up, even like in a non-Zionist family, you do believe there is this like Jewish exceptionalism that you're not when you guys go when we go crazy, we're not crazy in the same stupid way that everyone else when they go crazy but they're everyone but the point is everyone's susceptible everyone is susceptible to the same traps of nationalism and clannishness and insanity and fake traditions and chintzy revanchism another another character uh sort of a repeat character from the the actual strips that i want to ask you about is a uh, Stuart the jewish turtle could you describe Stuart and, and what he sort of uh, represents in your strips? Yeah, Stuart, he's America's sweetheart. The Stuart craze is sweeping the nation. It's the new Twitter yeah. meme. Yeah, exactly. Um, Stuart, I mean, it's obviously a metaphor, <laughs> clearly, because there are not there are no um, talking turtles or thinking turtles, I guess. But um, it's a turtle in a cage owned by uh, this like normal, basic couple. And the turtle, uh, no matter what they're saying, is interpreting everything through the lens of anti-Semitism and considering them to be anti-Semites, considering you know Bernie Sanders to be an anti-Semite. Every everyone is anti-Semite out to get him, and he's the whole time he's a turtle stuck in his cage. <laughs> and um, you know it's it's uh, it it's like a generational thing, obviously, because um, it's it's kind of making fun of a lot of people's uncles and grandparents around the Passover Seder. And so that's why this is one of the comics that I think younger uh, Jewish people understand and appreciate more than. Older ones, or probably Eli Lake types, who are like, "What the fuck are you talking about? What, what is this? Doesn't make any sense." Anti-Semitic. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. The turtle has no thoughts. <laughs> it's just as- asinine and anti-Semitic. The turtle is in the IRGC. So, uh, yeah, I mean, as long as we're talking about him, I guess, like, I, I-, I want to talk now about about the haters, about the people who have sort of, <laughs> you know not to use uh, too much of a buzzword, but colonized for themselves a little like, you know, political niche of being like the, like the, of right-wing Judaism and for like neoconservatism, a lot of it. And I think if you're talking about that, I think we should talk now about the two dynasties in like American Jewish political tradition of a recent note would be the Crystals and the Podhoritzes. The Crystals and the Podhoritz clan. Yeah. Father and son. Of both, you know, this is also a very Old Testament. You know, totally, like, like, totally. Uh, and they're, they're inherited keep- a stature. Yeah, exactly. That they're keeping this tradition alive. And I think what's funny is that, like Bill Crystal now has become gone from being like one of the principal intellectual architects of the Iraq War to being like the person every fucking resistance Democrat now praises up and down as some sort of righteous truth teller because he doesn't like Donald Trump, even though. People, he was fucking. He was the reason John McCain chose Sarah Palin as his fucking running exactly. mate in two thousand eight. Mm. So this goes back to your exact thing about these people now have cultivated all of this, and they're like they they are they are more responsible for Trump, even though they they you know limply try to disown him or say how you know like we said the how dare you sir shit like Crystal and them are all and like the Weekly Standard and commentary have all sown these seeds forever yeah uh i don't know john Podhor has blocked me after calling me a capo so i don't know exactly where he is on trump but i think he's anti-trump too he's, right he's very anti-trump. okay yeah, yeah. But, but the same thing you know uh in- insisting that criticism of demagoguery and bigotry and ethnic cleansing essentially in israel is uh anti-semitism is self-hatred and and look where we are now and now you're gonna be anti-trump what do you mean this is this is a logical fulfillment of everything you've believed in for the past 10 years and also how are these people not still pissed at him for tantalizing them with the prospect of david french coming in and saving <laughs> us from trump which he obviously could have and then he just took that all away from us at the last minute and as long as we're talking about a uh, family history here uh i don't know if i've ever told this story on the show before but um my dad was actually Bill Crystal's high school English teacher. Oh, wow. oh I love this yeah. story. At, at, I love he, this at story. Collegiate, which is this like, you know, sort of a very preppy boys school on the Upper West Side. And I, I don't know what age, I think it was maybe like ninth grade must have been or like eighth or ninth grade around around that age. Uh, and yeah, Bill Crystal, young, young Master Crystal was his student. And the, uh, the two uh, recollections that he gave of of that time being his teacher was that uh, surprise surprise uh, little little Billy was almost universally loathed by <laughs> teachers and peers alike. Teachers. He carried a briefcase to school. He was, the, he was that kid wow. with like the snap briefcase. Ouch. And last but not least, the other like actual memory of him as a student is that like I think there was some sort of like personal essay assignment. And he I'm not I'm not kidding. He said Bill. 
stepped in, got in a little bit of trouble because he read a personal essay that included observations about how he didn't like black people's hair. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. It's, you know, John Potter, you know, my Lady. Negro problem and ours. By, uh, well, that, that's Potter. from the, the Podhoret side yeah. of it. But like, yeah, th- these are the guys who are by like... Norman Podhoret. Yeah, the, like these are the guys who are like the, the, the real like heirs to this like, you know, very hawkish strain of right-wing judaism in america and like they and again like the whole thing with neoconservatives is this idea that they all started out by liberals and like this whole idea that like oh then we woke up and see the real reality reality. and then uh the the other the other i swear i've been trying to source this this story uh for for years now i think i i I came across it because someone referenced it a long time ago in one of midge dector's books midge being the the mother of jonathan wife to norman podhoretz uh, it's in one of her books about you know like their life turning to the right, and they talk about little little John Podhoretz, their little pod, their little pod, <laughs> and how they had to hide. God bless America. They had to hide. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And about how uh, Midge and Norman had to hide their television set by putting it at the top of the closet because little J Pod watch too much Mary Tyler Moore show and he would throw tantrums when they put the TV in the closet. That's as good of a good of a starting point to get into Zionism as any. Maybe he liked Rhoda, the Jewish neighbor. Yeah, he just wanted wait, a home. Rhoda a dime. Rhoda wrote a dime, yeah. And it was like, what if there was an entire country of Rhodas? Yeah. <laughs> fully fully adult Rhodas. <laughs> Man, what a good family. <laughs> But like they, they were really like the, tr- the 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 both of these both of these utterly rotten fucking families just were, were were the trailblazers in this kind of in creating the American political Jewish identity that that you are so brilliantly satirizing and like the, this idea that like that like liberalism is weak and you know Jews need to be like hard and hawkish and strong and Israel is the way we do that even though they don't actually live in Israel they're never going to fucking leave New York they don't want right. to go live in some fucking settlement right right but like but they love all they like they need to hold up um sort of like that the that like you know war and and military conquest and, and yeah exactly at yeah. at like you know to I don't know what is it like. That's it's what holds together the identity politics of it all. Yeah, it's, it's all cr- this idea of a loca- uh, There's a, like a location and there's a political project and it's a protectionist project for people who are always, no matter what, under siege and have to be vigilant every day, all the time. Right. I mean, definitely on Israel. I, I, I guess also in other areas too. But um, but listen, they're entitled to their view and that's fine. What's uh, bizarre is that they their view is the uh you know accepted jewish american view in terms of leadership and in terms of you know c- certainly far beyond their numbers and proportion of the community uh in terms of uh you know jewish american ideals which is just horrifying and the the other one that i think uh i, I wanted to bring up with you I, I i know i know you noticed this before they're sort of like a a smaller target they're not father and son it's husband and wife, uh, Bethany and Seth Mandel. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like they're coming out. They're they're going real strong to get that number one with a bullet for you know m- most awful uh, political couple. But I bring this up because Beth did Bethany did this like bizarre piece for Tablet about like why it would be okay, why we should like try to make why we meaning like American Jews should try to make friends with Nazis. Yeah, I think that was forward actually. It was in the forward. Yeah, I think oh. so. Yeah, but definitely could have been tablet too. The other like we, one of the worst magazines online yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, like, you, you saw the whole um, the wine. Uh, yeah, the Weinstein thing. Oh, where they were like, uh, it's a Phil Roth character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I I love uh, I love going to the bathroom because I have tablet commentary uh all the bad Haretz articles about how uh must see tv is a jewish problem or something i just love the balls that you have to have to call your magazine tablet like it was engraved in stone <laughs> yeah. and Mogus, yeah. moses was like lugging around this gossip rag yeah the moment the moment that he came down from the mountain and and uh he he bellowed from tablet uh what what if uh, what 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 if uh, you got divorced and one parent moved to Israel? That would be good. <laughs> and they destroyed like their golden tablets. Yeah. But what I what I thought was if interesting- she's if she's gonna if Beth Mandel is gonna be the next queen of this this lineage, she's gonna need to change her name because the Pedorets and uh, the Mrs. Pedorets and Mrs. Crystal real names were 
Midge Decker and Gertrude Himmelfarb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two Let's... of the most amazing names in history. Beth Mandel's not going to cut it. Um, yeah, yeah. Del- Dolores Squag Squagbotten. <laughs> But uh, what I thought was interesting about that piece about like maybe we should consider like reaching out to, to Nazis is not that like, OK, it, if she, I, I read the piece and it's like if you're t- like, you know, she, it, there's a lot of hemming and hawing. She like she, she qualifies a lot of it. But like if the overall point is like there needs to be some sort of there needs to be an avenue for deprogramming extremists, uh, uh, then, OK, I could see how that could be useful. But like. Maybe you do that. Like, I don't want to talk to these people. Let's not introduce a canvassing program. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, do, do, but, but she just goes was... up to them and goes, I will not replace you. And like, <laughs> <laughs> but, don't worry about me. And like, <laughs> like I said, like, like the, the piece is like, the, what's wrong with the piece is not that she's considering that like, maybe there, like you could possibly have a connection or like, you know, the, the extend an olive branch or whatever. Like, that's not the worst part about it. What's bizarre about it is that it's in the context now where like the American Jewish political right feels more comfortable extending that olive branch to neo-Nazis than it does to, let's say, BDS pal- supporters, BDS supporters right. or or basically just anyone on the political left or anyone who is yeah. to like yeah. has a critical opinion of Israel. You're more likely to be able to speak at a Jewish institution if you're an ally of Nazis than if you are an ally of uh, economic boycotts of Israel. Well, yeah, because Nazism doesn't really uh, challenge any of the principles of the of Israel right now. Well, especially if they want to move all the Jews. You know, if it's just purely like nonviolent ethnic cleansing, all the Jews will move to Israel. Hey, you know, both sides are happy. You know? Madagascar, be... as Hitler uh, once and their proposed. and their model or Uganda and their yeah. model and and as they've said explicitly, Israel is the model for the kind of ethnic state that they want to create. So they don't have a problem with it. It's like they there is there is a deep ide- deeper ideological continuity there that can make for a motive vivendi for progressives it's 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 just it's in direct conflict an irresolvable conflict uh between the the way israel is you know present is is perpetuating itself uh as a state and and any kind of traditional progressive values so that's like an incommensurability that goes to the root and and can't be mended uh, but we're in these absurd times where we see like so clearly how uh disgusting the alliances are you know i mean it's on yahoo himself you know he 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 like boasted oh we have a wall look at our wall you know <laughs> you, you could be a model for yours and i think israel is one of the um top contenders for um designs or or construction of the wall right or israeli firm i'm not sure but uh, google that someone <laughs> it would make sense I'm yeah. a Bing man. <laughs> but You're not Bing it, Bing it, Mr. Chapo. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, you know, if we, we can really get rid of racial prejudice, if the nonviolent ethnic cleansing works together with the only nonviolent ethnic cleansing on earth, Zionism, <laughs> and if SodaStream can make a green tiki torch, like we're well on our way. Solar power tiki torch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, David. David from blocked me for referencing that. Well, who is his wife? I don't. He's, her name is Danielle uh, Crittenden or something yeah, like that. Not a good she's name. A, good a name. Canadian yeah, senator, I believe, or his sister. One of the from a Canadian senator. She made David get off a plane, a flight they were on, like as the plane was like, like you know, not taxiing, but like you know, still at the gate. They got on the plane, and she wrote about how. She made him get off the plane because she like saw a Muslim man praying before he got on the plane. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. When, wait. Yeah. When did that happen? Oh, uh, okay. Maybe I forgot. Okay. Wow. Well, welcome. Airplane. Welcome to the resistance. Okay. Airplane Muslims. Am I right, folks? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, here, Why here don't go. we build the whole plane out of the port? <laughs> so yeah. No. This out. says. Uh, says um, in. 2004, Danielle took a European vacation with her three kids and husband, former Bursley trader David Frum. They were heading back to the U.S. after basking. This is uh, Adrian Chen and Gawker, actually. Uh, after basking the relative whiteness of Europe when they stopped in Paris for a layover. At the gate waiting for the flight, uh, Crittenden saw two Arab men who she describes ominously, and she wrote this for the Huffington Post. She says, both look to be about 25 or 26 of Arab descent, beards, dressed in modern 
Atta traveling fashion of jeans and t-shirts. Neither had had any carry-on bags for an eight-hour flight. One of the men was reading an Arabic newspaper while the other seemed twitchy. He kept looking around and repeatedly kept pulling out his documents from a small bag to check them over again. That is actually me before any flight. I became fixated on them for the next two hours. I had books and magazine, but my eyes kept straying to watch what they were up to. After a little bit, both men took to pacing nervously when they weren't looking over documents. Probably because they're being stared at by this that just describes every person in an airport. Yeah. We all know that was the fateful week of a terror attack at that airport. We <laughs> saw them, mm. and she was right. They yeah. clearly perpetrated an attack. She's a precog. I the thing I can I like the most in that is Ata style jeans and t shirts. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he's he's wearing so a Richard Reed style really, they shoe. They should be punishing her though for she saw something but did nothing. Well, well, though she she what I like is she just does she just gets her husband off the flight. There's no warning everyone else getting on the yeah, plane. Yeah. But she goes the final straw for her was say promptly at three o'clock the two men went over to a large window fell to their knees and began elaborately play, praying to Mecca. Oh. They did the Showtime routine. <laughs> <laughs> oh Hello, my Marty. Hello. Uh, and then she says here, now, nearly seven years later, I asked myself, would I make that same decision again? Without question. And I hope I would still have the guts to report a troubling passenger to an airline but she clerk. Didn't. Maybe she didn't. I think maybe she did. I don't know. I didn't read the whole piece. So anyway, uh, no, David from blocked me because I, I referenced that story and I said, hey, David, remember when your wife made you get off a plane because she saw an Arab person on it? I mean, wow. guys... Sometimes marriages, they fall apart because couples forget what they love about each other. So if you're hearing this, you're not blocked by David from, please remind him <laughs> about what he loves about his wife so much. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's the Hillary Clinton children's book. I yeah, hope- that's good. What, do you, what would you give it as an artist? How would you rate it? Um, I, I, I like the art. I mean, it's all, I think all art is subjective, obviously, but I thought it uh, accurately... Um, mimicked or um borrowed from the the genre of 1950s children's book so i'd give it a thumbs up all right would you give it as a work of uh, political propaganda meant to indoctrinate children into uh the realm of spirit cooking perfectly done possibly doesn't age that well uh in light of the election results (laughs) yeah they really shouldn't have uh jumped ahead on that you know what maybe it's for 2020 Ooh, yeah maybe maybe it's for uh 420 they're gonna woo, su- woo. republish it with the name Hillary. Some girls are born to vomit and fall down and lose the presidency <laughs> to an orange psychotic clown. When Hillary was growing up, they said it rhymes. It's good. Yeah. yeah. When they, when Hillary was growing up, they said, "Little girl, you're never gonna roll all the way down the hill into a sewer grate." <laughs> and she they told her, "Hillary, you can't have that many tropical diseases at once." <laughs> Yeah, and they she's say, like, you can't stop me. And she drank from the malaria puddle over and over and over again. They said, Hillary, only sailors in the 1800s got scurvy. You can't. And then she did. She stayed in a basement and didn't eat any produce for weeks. <laughs> I actually, My sister actually did know a guy who had scurvy in her MFA program. Well, MFA program's the key <laughs> yeah, term yeah. there. I just, I don't know how you do it because every agribusiness, everything's loaded up with like just enough bullshit where you won't get scurvy if you eat like, even if you eat like Papa John's for like a year. Um, uh, Pop tarts. I mean, I'm going to take the challenge. Yeah, yeah. Scurvy take challenge. The scurvy challenge. Scurvy or by the here. day. It's my new web yeah. series. I'm going to be <laughs> avoiding vitamin C and all citrus fruits and uh, uh, and seeing what happens. Seeing how long it takes for the teeth to get loose. See how big I can get the bruises on my legs. So tune into that. It's going to be fucking awesome. I'm going for rickettsia. I, I want that bowed look. So I so like you know I'm thick and curvy, Ooh, but in a new good. way. Yeah, hourglass figure. <laughs> so uh. To close out, I want to look like a palm bottle. <laughs> <laughs> so to, uh, to wrap up this episode with, uh, with Ellie, Ellie, we've talked about your work and how it has been attacked as grotesque, offensive, um, anti-Semitic, anti-Semitic yeah. um, just generally repellent to good taste and uh, people of decent values and, uh, I don't know, mental stability. Uh-huh. The, like the product of a, a deranged mind. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like the diary of a madman, basically. Exactly. Um, 
You're going to be doing the illustrations for another book, by the way. Oh, I am. I, I, I thought maybe right. we, should, we should bring up. Uh, yeah. Folks, Ellie's doing the illustrations for our book. Whoa, nice. Uh, Guess you had to figure that one out. And man, if you haven't gotten in trouble yet, oh boy, <laughs> wait, till, wait till people see some of the illustrations you've done for us. Holy welcome shit. Welcome to the Big Trouble Club. <laughs> Seriously, though, holy shit, we've seen Ellie's illustrations for some of the sections and... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're so excited. We it's handpicked so him because we want more uh, Chuck Close style photorealism. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, I would say uh, everybody, uh, please check out Diaspora Boy. It's a really, really great collection. And I would say what also also really good about the book is how big it is because a lot of comic yeah, it is huge. It's a I huge book, but like for for like a comic collection, it's absolutely perfect. It really gives like all your illustrations like a lot of room to breathe and yeah. they look great um, on the page. It will fuck up your bookcase placement. Not <laughs> <laughs> able to put it anywhere. If, you, need to if beat- you don't, if you don't like believe in wrecking your friends for good line work. I don't even know why you're listening to this to podcast. Tie it, to tie it back around, if you're going on the version of Birthright that Jeff Goldberg did where he got to be a prison guard <laughs> and you, like him, need to beat a suspect, don't go for the phone book. Go for Diaspora. <laughs> <laughs> It, and it, on that it's, note, it's thin, so you can get a good like whip yeah, action. On even it, even know? a big, soft, tubby little bitch like Jeff Goldberg <laughs> can get a good lick in with that. We'll be looking out for the review of our book in the Atlantic, yeah. which I'm sure will be uh, <laughs> right happy right, to cover it. Right next to their new article is Black Lives Matter, funded by the IRGC. <laughs> Can't wait for that one. Okay, uh, Ellie, thanks so much for uh, coming on the show. Thank, Thank you, Ellie. I really appreciate it. And until uh, next time, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers. Cheers.